Today's episode, Josh and I are going to bring on our second featured guest of the show's season, our resident Thunder fan friend, Grayson Hill, to talk finals games four and five that we are previously not able to talk about uh, last week. And for him to come on and officiate the, yes, we teased it last week, the trivia finale. Next. Welcome back to the Two Pointers Podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Trevor. And I'm Grayson. And we're back this week to go ahead and talk about games four and five of the NBA Finals uh, between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. And then Trevor and I are going to duke it out to see who the winner is of trivia in the season. Trevor leads by half a point, so it's as small a margin as we can possibly get without it being tied. Trevor's fist pumping, but he probably won't be by the end of the episode. I'll just uh, get uh, ballsy about that and see how it goes. All right, so moving in, we're in a very different position than we were last week when Trevor asked me if I was going to stick with my Milwaukee winning the finals prediction. The Bucks now lead 3-2. to two. Trevor, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are that I feel like we've changed the narrative about seven times since we being, the, I guess, the general public who watched the series. And shame on anybody who thought the series coming into it was going to be quote-unquote boring. Because uh, if you watch these two teams play all year – I mean, nobody should be surprised by how dominant Giannis Antetokounmpo is. We'll get to him and his dominance in a moment. I'll let uh, you and our guests go through some things first. Uh, but And I'm sure he'll get brought up at some point in detail. But this series just has been every bit of the roller coaster I expected it to be. Um, unfortunately, for my rooting interest reasons, I'm disappointed so far through Game 5. Um, but I am happy to see how Giannis has performed as, honestly, so far an all-time great in the finals. Grayson, what are your thoughts? <laughs> uh, I thought it was pretty interesting how, you know, down 2-0, heading back to Milwaukee, how soon we forgot the position they found themselves in against the Nets and how they were pretty much, you know, written off as dead. And then here they are in the finals, down 2-0, and here we go again. They won game three, kind of as expected, you know, defending home court, season on the line. Um, and then they ripped off two more after that, and here we are, 3-2 Milwaukee. Um, and everybody's writing off the Suns as dead. Um heading back to their home court. So that could be very interesting for game six to see how the Suns respond. Um, they've got to avoid the big runs. Like they gave up after they actually jumped out early in the first quarter uh, in game five. So it'll be interesting. And uh, as far as CP3's legacy goes, I really hope he can pull it out and force a game seven. I think we deserve that one after the season we've had. Well, it's funny. Like they talked about at the end of the game on Saturday night that – the Suns were the best road team in the NBA all season. Well, now they're going back to Milwaukee, and they must win on the road if they want to win a title. Uh, I thought the series would go seven games, but I feel like uh, game six is going to tell everything for how it's going to go because I think if Milwaukee loses their momentum and loses in game six, it's going to be hard to find that again in game seven. Yeah, if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan, you're you're praying – to all that is mighty that this game doesn't go back to game seven in Phoenix where that crowd is probably going to, I'll quote Grayson on a text the other day, probably will burn the building down. Uh, because at the end of the day, that that arena has not felt like that since 1980, 1993 when they made it last time. Um, and I don't even think it might've felt like that then. This momentum has been such a large swing that it just really is going to come down to whatever team I mentioned last week. Like I just think defensively and obviously the Bucks are so scary right now. 
and we'll get to Drew Holiday in a moment. But just so scary what they're able to do defensively. And I thought the Suns were a better defensive team as a team coming in. And the fact that they're the ones looking at right now has no way to be able to stop two-time MVP, of course, here. It just sucks that I just – if you're a Suns fan, like a Sun fan – you're backed up against the wall right now. Like, I don't, I don't think necessarily the, the Suns feel that way because Monty Williams is a great coach. I think he controls that locker room in a way as a former player. But, and it does feel like backs against the wall if you're a Phoenix Sun. I mean, it's you look at Milwaukee, and they're just a defensive monster all around. Uh, Giannis, who's a defensive player of the year. Holiday is first team all defense. You got P.J. Tucker, who's a stout defender, was the only really defense that the Houston Rockets had during their playoff runs. Uh, you've got Bobby Portis, who stepped up and had a huge game five. Uh, the run in the – I think it was the second quarter that Bobby Portis had while he was on the court. Um, his run on the court with his unit with Giannis out of the game provided the spark for Milwaukee to actually get back in it. Uh, this Milwaukee team is completely stout. And one thing I've also noticed is this Milwaukee team is a lot more of a veteran team than Phoenix is because as I look up and down Phoenix's roster, I can't see anyone who looks like they even have a lot of NBA experience outside of Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. So, yeah, I, I think we can't brush over the fact that the Bucks, this is not their first rodeo. It is their first rodeo in the finals. It's, their, it's not their first rodeo in the sense that like Grayson brought up with the two zero against the Nets. Like that's not their first beating they took in their, in their time together. And I say them, let's just say for the example's sake, it's Chris Middleton and Giannis because those two have obviously been together since the beginning. But the surrounding pieces around them all in all haven't been, you know, the entire time necessarily. But you just can't brush over how statistically clutch Chris Middleton has been and just how statistically amazing Giannis has been. Just a few things that I really took away from just how this series has played out so far is Giannis has been – and it sounds almost lash to say that, like, he's probably going to be – all-time great if they win this finals like this just this stat line if he never makes another finals and then you don't you know how you see percentages of stats fans know how this work if you see a percentage or you see like a you know per game or whatever it's like this year Luca averages the most points in this playoff still through like through the conference finals because he played you know six games seven games and average 38 whatever right but if Giannis never plays another finals game, let's say they won hmm. game five, right? And he never played another finals game. He would leave the finals averaging 32.2 points per game on, I'm going to say this slowly, 61% from the field. That's expected of a guy like that, but that's unreal. That's like Shaq in 2000, in 2001, 2002, good. Uh, 13 rebounds, bar none there. <laughs> uh, and then 5.6 assists. Uh, that number shocked me because it was very high. He is statistically just doing something that we haven't seen in a long time. And I think that's part of the multiple reasons why they're going to take this series ultimately. I mean, I think it's like Giannis is what you get if you take kind of the prototypical European basketball skill set and put it on an athletic monster, which nothing against the European players we normally see. They're usually not the athletic freaks uh, that Giannis is that we see. Um coming over they're not six foot eleven they're not um incredibly strong in the paint um and then like the american players who are incredibly strong in the paint we don't see them usually have the ability to use a euro step pass out of the paint um and take a lot of different routes to the basket and so Giannis is just a whole different breed of basketball player than we've ever seen before but anyway the one thing i wanted to move on to uh i think like we've spent a lot of time 
uh, through this finals talking about Chris Paul and how great the trade was from Phoenix to bring him in, trading him for Rubio uh, to get where we're at. And I don't think we've spent enough time looking at what Milwaukee did in trading Eric Bledsoe to New Orleans in order to bring in Drew Holiday, which took a team who wasn't able to get past the Eastern Conference semifinals, wasn't able to crack that seal despite being the one seed two years in a row, um, get them to the finals and bring them within a game of winning that championship. Drew Holiday, although his stats like through the series have been a bit of a roller coaster ride, has been an incredibly stout defender. And he has proven, I would say, essentially towards the end of that game five, that defense wins championships. That play at the end of game five was, I mean, it was the best play I've seen of the playoffs or the most memorable one, I'm going to say at least, that Phoenix had all the momentum and they were coming back to probably take the lead in that game down one. Holiday steps into strip Booker of the ball and finds Giannis on a fast court alley-oop ties the game. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of play that you need to win a championship, and they weren't ever going to get that with uh, Eric Bledsoe in the lineup. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think if we could just take a snapshot of, you know, how NBA Twitter viewed that trade the night it went down, it was all these draft picks for a minimal upgrade. And I think that we've seen, especially this past game, things that you couldn't have gotten without making a move like that to, like you said, getting through to a finals, having been a one seed um, and failing, they had to shake something up and you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to change the trajectory of a franchise without doing something bold. And I felt like that was a necessary step to get um, to a finals to, you know, four quarters away on your home court from a championship. Um, and so I thought that was really a credit to, you know, these small market teams just going all out, not playing it safe, realizing that, you know, they don't have the allure of an L.A. or, you know, any of these Florida teams like Miami. Um, and you've got to be bold and go out and make moves that may not look great initially, but if you stick to your guns and know that it puts you on a path that you think is going to elevate you um, to a championship, like it is very nearly at this point, um, I think it's great to see that uh, moves like that working out. Look, that's no, and that's no disrespect to Eric Bledsoe. That's really just what comes down to on paper. We thought really it was a minimal move, like Josh said. But I think it goes beyond the fact that, you know, there's just something that effort can give you. And I think Drew Holiday exemplifies that part of effort. The reason I say that is because, you know, people are going to laugh and joke about his, you know, his 20 shots and shooting 20% from the field, whatever, in the early series, roller coaster ride, whatever it may be. When you put that much effort and that much tenacity onto the defensive end of the floor, you're going to struggle on offense because you're going to be gassed. I mean, granted, being able to make that play in the you know fourth quarter of game five, like Josh was mentioning, like that's that's a play that not many guys make. That's all defensive first team, like Drew Holiday deservingly is. That's what he does, right? I, I saw a tweet that I think exemplified all of this is Chris Paul, obviously game one. And we talk about legacy and whatever it may be. Chris Paul's, you know, not had a great finals. And I don't, people are going to say it might be hurt, might be this. It's when we're on this big of a microscope of a stage, we're going to think guys are this or that, whatever. It's as simple as this. He might be hurt, whatever it may be, right? Might be wrist thumbs or something like that. I doubt it. And if he isn't, so be it. But Chris was guarded by PJ Tucker in game one. From game two to game five now, he was guarded by Drew Holiday every moment they were on the floor together. Chris Paul doesn't have an injury problem. Chris Paul has a Drew Holiday problem. And I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, if you look at it, I came on here and in my mind at first, I was going to make a case of why Drew Holiday should win finals MVP. I'm not going to make that case because 
frankly, Giannis's numbers have been otherworldly, and I think it's just we've grown accustomed to Giannis Antetokounmpo's numbers as if they're not something extraordinary. Um, the fact that he's averaging 30 points, 32 points per game uh, through five of the finals. But credit where it is due, Drew Holiday has the highest average plus minus through five games for the Milwaukee Bucks with a plus five on the court. He is the one making the difference. We both named him as the X factor in the series. And with Holiday looking at a plus five, plus minus, and on the other side, we said DeAndre Ayton was the X factor, only averaging 15 points per game um, with a plus 3.2 average plus minus. Holiday as an X factor is making a bigger difference. So I want to ask you both this because we're going to say Giannis's numbers are great. When you look at those four numbers, those are offensive numbers, right? So I want to be clear on, and I, this, we're not prisoners of the moment. I promise, right? Before I even say the statistic, you, both your reactions to that block was as crazy as it was. Like it, it was, was it LeBron good to both of you? Or was it like at least up there in terms of that was one of the best blocks you've ever seen? I, I think so. I'm going to look back. I'm going to remember that block, right? Mm-hmm. We yeah. can all agree on that. Okay. I mean, it so looked just like the LeBron play on Iguodala. And so to be clear, I'm talking about the 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 alley oop from Aiden. We're talking about the same block because he had right. one in game one, right? Okay, so I want to lay this out here for why that wasn't just visually the most dominant block in NBA Finals history, probably, but it was probably statistically one of the same as well. Uh, via Second Spectrum, shout out to Second Spectrum, so one of the best analytical sites for statistics in the NBA. Uh, I want you guys to give me a number. I want you both to answer this. This is trivia spot on for both of you because I think this exemplifies how this play was. <laughs> Out of the 2,881, I'm going to give you the, the platter here. for the. You should be close on this, I hope. Maybe. Out of the 2,881 shots off of lob passes, so shots that were attempted from someone throwing a lob pass this season, this includes the playoffs and the block through game five. How many were blocked? I assume blocked means that the person receiving the lob caught it and then was blocked. Blocked in general off of that. They, they're considering it, yeah, not like they, they're including help defense and all that. Absolutely. They're in terms of total, somebody came over and blocked the shot after a shot attempt off of a lob. Okay. Three. What about you, Grayson? I'll go seven, a little bit higher. Um, it wasn't that low. It was low, but it was not that low. It was 44. And that number seems alarming, right? Because it's like, that seems like a lot. It was only 1.6% of total of the tips, right? So what I mean by that is Giannis did something. And by the way, I didn't go back and look through all 44 of them. Giannis could be 80% of them. I have no idea. That's genuinely just not doing my research in greater detail. But I bring it up because I, I, I want somebody out there. It might be me in the board off season when we're in like late August, early September. But out of those 44, how many guys was the one that di- originally started defending the pass and then blocked the shot attempt? Yeah. I bet it's zero. <laughs> and it's probably Giannis if it was someone else. So just wanted to make sure that that stat at some point was mentioned, whether it was today or on Twitter sometime, but that stat blew my mind. Shout out to Kevin O'Connor for the stat. Giannis just exemplifies what it is to be a defensive player and an MVP and showing up. So in the finals, even though they've come up short multiple times, ultimately do we all, unless Josh has got more about Drew holiday, do we all think Milwaukee pulls this out? Is it, is it six or seven? Where are we at with this? I guess, in terms of total prediction. 
I had Suns Bucks for the playoffs, and my biased love for CP3 is not going to let me pick against them even now. I think they win a little ugly tomorrow night, game six, um, and they're able to pull out one of the better game sevens we've seen in a playoff series, finals or not, um, in recent history, and I think CP3 gets that ring. Josh, what about you? I'm obviously sticking with Milwaukee. Um, is it six or seven? I'd like it to be seven so that my pride in being accurate would just be there. But Also, more basketball, more great basketball. Yeah, I just think it's going to be hard for Phoenix to get that done in Milwaukee at the end. I also don't know if I could take from stress level watching game seven, so <laughs> – I'm going to stick with Suns and seven as well. I stuck obviously with Suns and six before the series, but for stick in terms of here we are, they're facing elimination. I, assuming, oh man, there's just so many things that could go wrong, but I, I don't know, man. It, it just sucks because it's like I, my heart tells me one thing and my NBA, you know, semi, you know, knows hopefully what I'm talking about sometimes brain about the Bucks being so dominant and so much momentum tells me another Suns and seven. I'll roll with it and I'll die on the hill. Uh, lastly, because it is at least important to mention the fact that, yes, Giannis is definitely winning finals MVP, but yeah. there's no Robin Batman discussion like I've jokingly made multiple times. But I want this stat to Superman be and Batman. Stuff. Superman and Batman. I like that. I like that. At least at least this playoffs. You, you, you actually took the words out of my mouth. So Chris Middleton, in the last 25 years, and I think one of you or both of you have probably heard this stat by now. It came out like four days ago or three days ago. Um, whatever game five was. I don't even know. We're recording on our normal Monday night. Uh, Chris Middleton is tied in the last 25 years in a single playoff run for most clutch baskets made. For the listeners that don't know what clutch baskets made is, that's 15 of them he has in the final two minutes of fourth quarter or overtime. Think back to the Heat series. He made that one in overtime that basically sealed the fate of the Miami Heat, which yep. their fate was sealed the moment they entered the playoffs. The game but one fate sealing. Game one Josh. fate sealing. Absolutely. They <laughs> no, they sealed it the moment they made the playoffs. So sorry, Heat fans. But no, Giannis, or sorry, Giannis, Chris Middleton is tied. And I didn't I left out who on purpose. Chris Middleton is tied with LeBron James in 2007, the same LeBron James that got that let's just say Cleveland team for the sake of not being too harsh, that Cleveland team to the finals and their path wasn't, their path wasn't hard. Let's, let's be honest. This Bucks path was a lot harder and Chris Middleton has got them there. <laughs> so wait, wait, so this has been an anomaly. You're, so you're telling me that Zajernis Ilgoskis wasn't taking the clutch time shots for Cleveland <laughs> 2007. Nobody was. <laughs> Except for LeBron. Sorry, yeah. I had to cry. <laughs> yeah, so Big Z is Big Z is going to be forgotten about all time, honestly. Really was, I mean, he was seven foot three. It wasn't like he wasn't a big presence for Cleveland in that run. I believe multiple defensive team as well. He has multiple yeah. of something, and I'm not going to lie, it slipped my mind. But I yeah, just he, would like to say that Cleveland team was is not as bad as people think it is. It's not great, but it's not as bad as people act like it is. I would say it's probably the worst to make the finals in the last 25 years. That's kind of the same. Probably, but there. it's not like the. It's not. As bad as people tend to say. Grayson, are we missing one? Is there a team that's worse than that? Am I crazy? I've been trying to think. I mean, they just seem like the uh, the 04 Olympic team of finals teams. <laughs> um, the Pistons going into that playoff run to play the Lakers. They're they better made. than the Orlando Magic team that went to the finals. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That Magic team was disgusting. That Magic team probably should have won title at some point, but just. I mean, it's great, but it's, it's one look. of those teams that you look back and you're like, it seems that because you had Dwight Howard and then your next best players were Jameer Nelson and Hedo Turgaloo and Richard. Yeah, I don't Lewis. think history is not going to be kind to that good roster either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like you remember, I mean, Hedo Turgaloo shot like 45% from three. He wasn't messing around. But. My thing is. I, that Pistons team was coming into the playoffs was looked at as like, they're not winning anything. So, I mean, but that Pistons roster looking now forward <laughs> multiple years. Loaded. Yeah. Like they were, they were good, man. They were, they were good. So I love how we got on a tangent about finals teams. Cause here we are with the like two most improbable coming into the season. Right. Bucks, not necessarily right. A small but, market team and a team that's a fairly large market that hasn't been there since the nineties. Hasn't been yeah, I'm good. Glad you, I'm glad you I've made playoffs that. in 10 years. Glad you <laughs> clarified that. Cause I hear, I hear people on Twitter all the time and other circles as well. Like say it's two small market teams. I'm like, it's definitely, it's not. Small market. <laughs> I've heard that. And I want to be clear that that's not the case. So they're not like the Suns. Mm, I mean, they're not like a top five market team. It's not like they're a California team or anything, which we're used to just seeing California teams in the Western conference every single year. At like literally every year, actually. I mean, I can't remember the last time a non-California team won the Western Conference, but uh, they're not. Yeah, I wouldn't call Phoenix a small market by any means. It'd be like if Atlanta made the finals and people were like, man, we've got a small market team from the East. Yeah, but they were even talked about like that for a little bit there. People kept yeah. saying small. I'm like, they're not. They just haven't been in the limelight in, yeah. you know, eight years. They're right? a relatively small basketball market, but they're oh, not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not like we're talking about Charlotte here. All right. Well, before we get into trivia, we wouldn't have a Thunder fan on. Okay. First of all, like, OKC Thunder, to be clear. Speaking of and small not markets. at least, speaking of small markets, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Seattle relocation there. We would not at least ask, you know, I've got a draft question prepared. I don't know if Josh has anything prepared, but I, we at least want to know just assuming that, and I think there's a move happening. I don't know if it's the Thunder. I've mentioned Thunder Cavs before as two teams that kind of just wouldn't surprise me, but assuming let's say the draft just order wise stays the same right this moment. And we assume Cade goes one where I guess to the two would be a two part question. Who do you think they pick and who do you want? They're two different answers. I would assume. I think if they stay at six, they go Scotty Barnes out of Florida state, which I'm slowly being a little bit more high on as Oklahoma city Thunder Twitter. Um, has started to embrace him as a possible guy there. Uh, maybe Kaminga if he falls to six. Um, my dream draft night scenario is we get up into the top three and get Evan Mobley. But I realized that that is very wishful thinking. Um, I learned on draft night that, you know, just because there's a certain percent chance of something happening does not mean it's going to happen. Um, <laughs> instead of one and five, we got a uh, six and 16. So. Um, preparing for, I won't say the worst, preparing to stay at six, hopefully getting a guy like Kaminga or Barnes that, you know, with our timeline, we can kind of wait on a little bit, um, as SGA's game grows and the rest of the young guards around him, Maladon, Dort, et cetera. Um, but if I could pick what we do, um, and I'm not smart enough to sit here and map out the trade, what it would entail. Um, but if we get to two or three and grab Evan Mobley, that would be dream perfect scenario for me, uh, 10 days from now. So first, before Josh asks his question, is I have to say, like, I think a lot of people are forgetting that this is a six-man draft. And people go, what do you mean? 
It's like Scotty Barnes is in terms of potential, like he's being compared to Jonathan Isaac and some other guys of length that we'll cover next, next week in our draft preview. But I think a lot of people don't realize as well, like what is an extra. He's a way better scorer than Jonathan Isaac. I'm just throwing that out there. It's like the length, the length comparison. Right. So I think a lot of people forget. And like, that's why I think it's fun to ask that question at six, because you know, somebody's falling. I mean, it's a matter of is Barnes falling because he's, you know, really the sixth guy. It's not really a fall. Right. But like, is Suggs falling, right? Is a guy that's a little bit older. Like, I don't, what are we looking at here and going, Jalen Green's not falling. I can tell you that. Like, I'm going to spoil, I'm going to spoil my take next week. Like Jalen Green's not going anywhere and he might be too. (laughs) Like, I know that the Rockets like look at Mobley as like, and this is my second thing is, I know you said Mobley or whatever, like you're not going to pry the second overall pick when they have an opportunity to take, I'm not calling Mobley. Let me just be 100% clear. I am not calling Mobley a comparison to Elijah Wan and Samson, but they are a franchise in Moses Malone and guys that they have had a lot of all time great centers. Yeah. Are they going to pass up? Yeah. Thank you. This is the second time I've forgotten. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. But my, my point is, are they going to pass up again or not? You know, in this case, are they going to not pass up again on a guy that could be all time great at the big man position? Probably not. So I just love the intriguing uh, thought there. We are talking about the team that traded Clint Capella to Atlanta for Robert Covington. Um, Current style, yeah, that scares and me. And <laughs> the you, the Clint Capella that was a dominant big man through the season and getting Atlanta to the Eastern Conference Finals. So, yeah, that's why I've been like, I'm not shocked that the tide is switching to green here. I was thinking like Houston should pick Mobley, but like the way their front office wants to design a team – it's just going to flip to a guard. Uh, Grayson, I do have one question for you. I hadn't thought of preferred or anything, but I do have one thing that's burning in my mind. All right. Why are you a Thunder fan? Oh, I like uh, that. Or how did you become one? I just <laughs> I I make I it not sound like in a bad way. I don't think anyone would. Uh, I, I, I know I'm the feeling of being a fan of a team like league. this. Um, but when I first really started watching the NBA consistently as a kid, um, I love the Seattle Supersonic uniforms. I thought they mm-hmm. were the best uniforms in sports. And the next year, they relocated OKC and became the Thunder. And at that age, I didn't really understand what that meant. I thought the Supersonics, like, folded and were gone forever. Um, <laughs> and then I realized that that's not how that worked, and they were just going to be in a different city. Um, and I, kind of, I just kind of followed Kevin Durant, uh, unfortunately. To the Thunder, uh, they drafted Westbrook <laughs> that first year in OKC. Um, so not all sellouts, but um, yeah, and just kind of stuck with them from there. Um, and here I am, years and years later. Um, like I said, high pain tolerance. Been a lot of close calls, near misses, things like that. Um, but we still got Sam Presti, so we got a chance. So I'll stick around a little bit longer. It'll all be okay. Coming from someone who survived a seven and fifty nine season and now is rooting for Lamelo Ball <laughs> as a starting point guard, it gets better. <laughs> Seven and fifty nine season with a different with a team that was a completely different like logo and everything. It was so bad they had to change everything. Before we get into trivia, you get that's not the reason that things were changed. But we're not going to get into that. Um, still, I still have a Bobcats jersey. Still there. I know. I Can it. either of you name the player that was the highest score that season for the Charlotte Bobcats? Leading score when they went seven and fifty nine. Gerald Henderson. It's Gerald Henderson. Henderson. Yeah. How much did he average per game? Like maybe 14 or more. I don't really know. 14 and a half. Oh! Wow. <laughs> Let's go. That's sweet. I did not. That team it. was awful. Kind of sporkle for all the quizzes, man. I saw a picture the other day of that team. It was just like three players from it that were selected to the side. And I know that 
And I was like, I think the one in the middle is Brendan Haywood, but I honestly have no idea who those other two guys are. <laughs> Backup center for the 11 Mavericks. I, I I'm like, I don't know who these guys are. Stunt doubles from like the operations department. Yeah, yeah oh, I guess. That was so bad. That was um, Kimba's rookie season, too. One thing I just want to say oh, to yeah. conclude Grayson's uh, fan story is like, Josh and the listeners know this by now. Like, I, there's a couple things I just love as a sports fan. A couple things being X Factors. I love uh, origin stories of fandom. That was really where I was getting to. And then just any in general, just I love like sob stories about guys that like became number one overall picks. It's like just little things that just warm your heart. Right. But no, I just love, I love uh, how fans can come become fans of the most random teams in the most random places for the most random reasons. So I love the fact that it came down to a hot take. I didn't really like the jerseys, but it came down to a jersey, <laughs> and here we I are. Like as, Sonics jerseys, I like some of them, to be clear. I like some of them. There's a couple I'm just not a fan of, but that's awesome to hear. So are we ready to – this format, by the way, let me just be clear to the listeners. This format is going to be good for only two reasons. One, they can play along for the first time ever, really, because the format's tough to play mm-hmm. along when it's like nine choices of answers. This is a multiple-choice format for the most part. The listeners can play along, but otherwise they're going to have to sit through a lot of silence. I will cut it down as best I can. I will make that promise. I will sit through it all and cut it out and make sure it fits, but there won't be much after question one, Josh and I humming and hawing about the answers. We want to obviously get through the answers and see the score. Grayson, you're going to have to fill in commentary. Yeah, you're going to have to like That's really awesome. roll with this. So this is going to be fun. Let me get my notepad right. to make sure I write the answers. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. And now it's time! So I wanted to clarify for everyone what's going to happen with trivia here and where we are, Trevor leads by half a point. Uh, he and I both did miserably in our last two rounds of trivia. I don't think – I think I got one point. Trevor did not score. Uh, so he leads by a half a point. There's going to be ten questions that Grayson has prepared. Neither of us know. We're going to answer them over this time by writing down our individual sheets of paper. If it's a tie or Trevor wins, he wins trivia for the series. He's the champion. I have to beat him in order – to get the victory. Our hopes is that each of us are, are, I really hope that we score more than three. Correct. It is multiple choice, but we'll see how this goes. Yes. There will be a trophy involved that we will post on Instagram or Twitter at some point. I don't know how long it'll take me to order one. I've never ordered a a trophy before, but (laughs) I will figure it out. Uh, because this would be hilarious to like when we get to a visual podcast point where we both have a shelf behind us and there's just a trophy for the season before that ultimately every week rubs it in. Oh, it'd be so beautiful. So right behind your Kobe shrine. Um, so a couple things or one thing is the listeners probably don't know this. And we do. I, I, Grayson can correct me on this unless, unless you just want to leave this a secret. This is no historical background whatsoever. This is this season because it's a recap of the season, right? Yes. I okay. did avoid that. Thinking back, anything like that. It was impossible to study anyway, but just to be clear to the listeners that they won't have to worry about who the 1971 first overall pick is. It's okay. Or who the Sonics coach was. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Any minute now, I'm ready to roll. Let's do this. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm so thrown off by how this format's going to be, but this is going to be fun. All right. So like I said, 10 questions, um, four choices for 
nine of them. There's a question with only three choices, but that will become apparent when I get to it. And so you guys got pen and paper ready. I'm ready to roll with question number one. Uh, a lot has been said about Chris Paul, this being his first finals uh, in his 16th season. And if you look up and down the rosters, there's a lot of young players that maybe haven't been this far. Who is the one player in this finals that has appeared in a finals before this season? I've got four options for you. Got it. Is it Jeff Teague, Jay Crowder, Thanasis Antetokounmpo, or Dario Saric? Uh, I, I know the answer, but question. Uh, who said – who quoted that, you said? Someone quoted something? Or what was the beginning of the – how did you ask the question? It was like – what was oh, yeah, just One of the storylines this finals has been uh, Chris Ball in his okay. first finals in year 16. Got it. All right. I just thought I wanted to make sure I heard the question right before I answered it. <laughs> yeah. All right. I guess we'll just give like a thumbs up. The, the, the listeners won't see this. You'll, it'll just, like I said, be blank pause between your questions, but they'll basically okay. be able to, it'll be, I'm going to cut it where it's basically you ask the question, you ask the next question, you ask the next question. Because yeah, some sort of sound you guys are ready and we'll yeah. uh, have y'all flip your answers and see who got it. Are we going to do this right now or going to do this at the end? Uh, how we, Josh, we didn't ever talk about this. <laughs> well, I think it would be fun to do it as we go. One time. All right. Uh, Kind of reveal it. That way uh, there's pressure building up. All right. Yeah. Total points. That's right. Let's do it. Total points, obviously, because I'm up half. So uh, go ahead. Grayson, you just tell us who to reveal first and we'll reveal our answer. Uh, Let's start with Trevor. He seems like it is the first one that came to my mind. I didn't even listen to the answer choices. It's Jay Crowder. I can't really show that, but Jay Crowder. Before the answer choices, I also wrote Jay Crowder. (laughs) All right. I had to give you all an easy one to start off with. Love it. Love it. Love it. So still tied. Well, I actually, I actually quoted that. I actually quoted that two weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been trying to draw from all those old episodes. All right. Question two. Now that I had a little bit of discussion about age and Chris Paul and some other players in the series, who is the oldest player on the Milwaukee Bucks? Is it PJ Tucker, Brooke Lopez? Jeff Teague or Drew Holiday? Seems like that might have gotten y'all a little bit more than the first one. All right, I have my answer. I, I'll go first if Josh is still humming. But I am got one written. I, I think I literally think multiple choice saved me, saved me because the first name that popped in my head, I went with gut. Because I think PJ Tucker's the obvious answer. No reactions yet, because I want to see Josh's answer. Uh, I I went with Jeff Teague. I'm pretty sure Jeff Teague was like not too far after Chris Paul because I think they crossed paths sometime after you know, around college. They both went to Wake Forest. I think Jeff Teague is correct. Uh, I'll let Josh give his answer as well. So I think the Jeff Teague thing is close, but the other one who I think was drafted and I want to say 2011, I put Brooke Lopez. Jeff Teague's older than that, I think. All right. The correct answer is PJ Tucker. Oh, that, wow. was the, that was the gimme. God bless. 36 years of age, just so, like this ball. 36. Man, yeah. I forgot. Ooh. I knew he was, I thought he was 33. That's what really threw me off. Jeff Teague, fellow Demon Deacon to Chris Ball, is 33. Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday, both 31 years of age. Wow, that was very wow. fall. Man, so my thing, like, gosh, man. Shout out to PJ Tucker in the high school rally, North Carolina, PJ Tucker. Mm-hmm. Next question. Curly leads still by half point. All right. Question three. We've talked a lot about stats this podcast, especially in previous ones as we go through the finals. 
Who leads the finals in assists per game? Is it Giannis, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, or Drew Holiday? This is through game five? Yes, through game five. Got my answer. Answer choices one more time. All right. Giannis, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, or Drew Holiday? I swear if it's anyone other than Chris Paul. I'm going to go with Chris Paul because I swear if it's anyone other than Chris Paul. All right, so, Josh, you got – When we were review. reviewing the finals, I was looking at stats, and I hope it saved me, but I saw Drew Holiday has nine per game through game five, so I went with Holiday. Drew Holiday does have nine. Oh, my Chris God. Paul has 8.8 per game through game five. The Holiday is right. That close. <laughs> Drew Holiday wanna, is correct. Let's I go. Back. I want to die. I'm up by half now. <laughs> I want to die. All right. All right. Question four, sticking with stats. How many 40-point games have we seen this finals with between both teams combined? I hate you so much. Oh, I saw this two days ago, and I can't remember. I saw this two days ago, and I can't remember. <laughs> Is it three or Five or six. I hate you even more for doing one after the other. <laughs> Trevor's using his fingers to count. Hold on, what were the answer choices again? Three or Four, five, five or, six. or six. I have not been paying close enough attention. Oh my god, I I haven't either. I think I think it's the okay. I have an answer. Don't rush, Josh. I have an answer. I just. I, this is just – you're already up one, so I have time to make it up if this is completely wrong. This is a stat news question, so I really hope Trevor got this one. I haven't been on Twitter much in the last two days. Uh, so, my thought process was Devin Booker definitely has one, only one, and Giannis definitely has at least two, and I hope it's not three. It's, it's three. Josh? My thought process was to go with three, and I hope I didn't overthink myself because I thought he's going to put the answer in the middle, so I put four. Oh, no. The answer was five. Oh. What? Did Chris five. have a 40-boy game? Okay, you're going to have to list off who they are. Chris Middleton, I mean. All right, I have that ready. I was like, is, did Chris Middleton – sorry, not Chris Paul. Did Chris Middleton have a 40-point game and I not realize it? He did, 40 on the nose. What, I was when? Right looking at through logically that it would be one of the answers in the middle, but the thank God one. it was five. Oh, Josh, yeah. that you almost got me there. That was ooh. okay. All right. While well, Grace is pulling that up, it's a uh, three or four questions. Josh is up one point. Uh, half of a point. Or half of a point. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, you're gonna have to because you did this stupid half point question. <laughs> Little dad, no, it might actually mess me up in the end. But I mean, it's that half point question is why we don't need a tiebreaker. <laughs> I know, I love it. <laughs> tiebreaker would have been awful. It would have been like name as many like guys that started in the last ten years in the finals or something in like thirty seconds. That would have been a great question, actually. Saving that one for later. <laughs> All right, what is it? I found the tweet, so I'm not crazy. I'm gonna go to Salt <laughs> Basketball Reference, which is where I found out who they were. Oh, I did see this tweet, but they weren't detailed on the players. I know exactly what you're talking about with Devin in the background, or it was like a picture of Devin or something. Yeah. Gosh. So we got. Man. All right. So game one, we did not have a 40 point score. Game two, 
Giannis had 42. Yep. And yeah, so that he had the lone 40 point game in game two. Nice. And then game three, Giannis followed that up with 41 points in the blowout victory. But yeah, that was just, it was only him in game three. So two for Giannis through three games. And then we're getting to the duel. Devin Booker dropped 42 in a game four loss. Game four, yep. But uh, our friend Hunter's favorite player, Chris Middleton, <laughs> had 40 on the nose. Of course he did. Which was the fourth 40-point game. And then, of course, game five, Devin Booker, 40 points in a loss once again. Oh. Player. I didn't know he had 40 in game five. Yeah. I All also right. didn't. Remember any? Like I also thought it was three games, but I just guessed four. <laughs> All right, Cinco, let's roll. Let's do this, man. I'm so mad. All right, question five. This is the one with only three answer choices. Um, big part of the Bucks' comeback in the series and several of these games has been their timely three-point shooting. I'm going to list three players. I need you to tell me which one is not tied for the team lead in three-pointers made for the Bucks. There are two of these players tied with 15 threes made through five games. I'm going to list off three Bucks players. I need the one mm. that is not one of those two with 15 three-pointers made to this point. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, or Pat Connaughton? Which one is not tied for the team lead with 15 three-pointers made to this point? Weirdly, those are the three choices I thought you were going to give. <laughs> I, I thought Bobby Portis was going to be a weird wild card. If you had gave four answer choices as Bobby Portis being the fourth, I think I might have gotten it wrong. <laughs> I'll be real with you. Josh, go first. I think Pat Connaughton is a misdirect. So, once again, I've said Drew Holiday. I also went with the same sneaky logic. I went with Pat Connaughton, who made a lot of threes in the prior series. And Drew Holiday had that awful game. So, I'm assuming awful game meant he missed a lot of threes. And it's Drew Holiday, I hope. You guys both got that one. It is Drew Holiday. He is That's not. News. Connaughton went off from barely. Yeah, he and Chris Middleton so both have 15 three-pointers made through five games for the Bucks. Quit being so smart, Josh, please. I'm only up half a point. Like, I'm barely holding on to this lead. All right, we're halfway through. It's still anybody's game. My heart's pounding. I know. Me too. All right, question six. Um, you guys have probably seen at least some mention of this. Devin Booker uh, has broken the record for most points scored in a first playoff run. That one felt too easy. So who in this playoffs established themselves as fourth all-time in points scored in their first playoffs? Oh, crap. Wait, their first playoffs, not finals? First playoffs in total. Most. Most points scored. scored. In their first playoffs, was it DeAndre Ayton, Trey Young, Luka Doncic, or Kevin Herter? Most total. Most total points in a first playoff run. Trevor, show your answer first. Seems like another one you might be split on. Please, please, stat must not have failed me. It's Trey Young. Yeah, I don't think it can't not be Trey Young. Yeah, that's that's, it was think. the answer choices. Dang it. Ah, <laughs> I actually knew that. <laughs> Dang it. Ah, it is Trey Young. I'm so bad. All right. 
I asked total because I was gonna. I was thinking Doncic, and then yeah, this would not be his first playoff run. Though. That see, that was a good one. I, I forgot I was, that. I knew yeah. that. See, I was like, oh my god, please don't. I was hoping. <laughs> One of y'all would fall for that. I, did, I threw Kevin Herter in there just because he had a long playoff run, also, but uh, not on Trey's level. Scoring many well. like Trey Young thirty point games for Mondo, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. All right, uh, moving away from the finals a bit, but still sticking to this season. Um, you guys had a pretty solid amount of airtime on the coaching carousel this season, uh, not counting it. the Atlanta Hawks who had an interim coach be made full-time coach, much deserved. How many head coaching openings were there this season? Oh, gosh. I hate you so much. Is it four, <laughs> five, six, or seven? So, again, Nate McMillan does not count. He was the interim coach, led them to the Eastern Conference Finals, and was made full-time coach after that playoff run. Ended. This is where I wish the format wasn't entirely. I wish this was like Jeopardy format where it was like, or like not Jeopardy, uh, Price is Right, where it was like, all right, I said six, so he said seven, whoever was, dang it. All right, give me like, give How me like many a few moments you, here. So, or the answer choices again? Four, five, six, Four, seven. five, six, or seven. Okay, I feel pretty good about this one. All right, I don't, hold on, give me just a second. I'm still, I'm still thinking. <laughs> I just had to list off the teams. Yeah. <laughs> and then also I just remembered a headline. So, feel good about this. All right, I'm definitely missing one. Josh, go first. I already got it. So, I'll show in a second, but I feel good about this answer because I saw a headline today that I now remember that it's historic because five of the six openings are filled by black coaches, so six openings. All right, Trevor, what you got? Oh, it doesn't look good. As a notepad hitting a forehead for those listening at home. What does it say? I really hope that it's not seven because I went with six – because I think I wrote down all six that I remember. And I think it's seven. That's why I'm so mad. But I went with six. And I hope we're not tied again. What's up? The answer is six. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. I feel I'd rather tie with you only have a I'd rather tie than lose on an answer. I just I'm so mad. God. Mm. First thing someone's so upset. Good question, right? Well, I'm. I got three more, and you need to lose. And you need to miss one. So I, I need to get two. Five right out of seven so far. I've done way better than I expected. Trevor's got four out of seven. Leaves me with half point. Yeah. All right. Getting into late stages now. Question eight: How many regular season games were played this season in the modified post-COVID schedule? Normally eighty-two, but obviously short off-season things like that. They had to adjust because of COVID. Different game total this regular season. Was it 70 games, 72 games, 75 games, or 78 games? Again, normally 82, but in the after effects of COVID, they had to adjust this season as well. And they altered the number of games played in the regular season. I hope no fan anywhere had to learn something from this question. <laughs> I really hope not. At least the 82 game thing. All right, Josh, what do you got? I mean, I thought this one was easy. 72. Yeah, it was yeah. 72. We didn't have to spend time on it. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's a freebie. All right. So, whew. Question nine. If I get this right and Trevor gets it wrong, it's all over for him. But right. as long as he gets it right, it comes down to the last question. I might not even get to my Olympic bonus questions. <laughs> or G League players. That's the tenth one. Oh, God. 
All right, second and last question. Uh, you guys mentioned my beloved Oklahoma City Thunder earlier. I knew you were going to do this. I almost went back and read their like basketball reference page just to, just to be safe. Uh, they do have the most picks in this upcoming NBA draft. What I need to hear from you two is how many total picks between both rounds do they currently own in this year's draft? Thank is God it, for multiple choice. <laughs> is it four, eight, five, or Wait, what? six? Did you just say four, eight, five, or six? I'm trying to switch it up. I've had a couple numbers in order. I'm trying to throw you, throw you guys off with this one. Answer choices one more time. Four, I'll do an order this time. Four, five, six, or eight across the full 60-pick draft before Sam Presti works his magic and brings Kid Cunningham back to Oklahoma. That would be so poetic. I might shed one singular tear. Um, oh, my God. I hate the answer choices. All right, looks like Trevor's ready. Josh, how you doing? I'm ready. All right, I'll go Josh first. If it is eight, I will gladly lose because that's ridiculous. I said six. All right, All right Trevor. I went up? the I went with the exact opposite of logic, and six and eight seem like way too high of a number. And if I'm correct, this is where I hope to God my draft knowledge catches up to me. Is I, if I'm correct, a lot of their second round picks don't start coming through until like 24, 25, and 26. And I hope that it's five where it's, I went with five, two of the first round that he already said, which is a freebie, three in the second. When in doubt, do not doubt Sam Presti. They have six draft picks. Boom. Winner. <laughs> Let's go. I'm never going with logic ever again. That, that's what this taught me. Three in the first, as most people know. Three in the second, that some people do not know. You forgot one in the first, Trevor. Wait, hold on, what? Three in the first. Yeah, we got six, 16, and 18. Eight. I knew there was another. That heat pick. 18. All right, is – no, I'm just kidding. I was going to ask, is 10 hard enough it's worth double points? <laughs> no, at uh, least let's do 10 just to round it out. No, nah, I, I lost. I, I will take my half-point win going into the final – I will uh, vote for a new final next year. <clears throat> uh, that was a bit off the wall. I was hoping I get, I can maybe get both of you guys and miss this t- this tenth one, but just, just for the fun. Yeah, let's, let's see what happens. <laughs> All right, I'll give it to you anyway. Which NBA team heading into this off season has the most cap space? Hmm. That's a good one. That's a good one. I, but you're giving choices. So that that helps. If this is was it, just a random draw, I'd be screwed. <laughs> is it the San Antonio Spurs, the New York Knicks? the Houston Rockets, or my Oklahoma City Thunder? I know it's not your Thunder. Let me just be clear. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, man. I'm glad it didn't come down to this. (laughs) Me neither, bro. I thought I wasn't alone. All right. The options were Spurs, who Rockets and Thunder? Rockets, Thunder. Spurs, Knicks, Rockets, Knicks. Thunder. Dang. God, is it really the New York Knicks? Oh, God. There's always so much buzz around the Knicks. I just don't feel like that. Can... They had a very unsuccessful 2019 attempt to buy a decent team. I don't know if I'm right, but my gut says Rockets. 
All right, Trevor, what you got? I hope that James Dodo Dolan does not have $880 million like he probably does this offseason. I'm pretty sure because of all the swirling cap space news, it's probably the New York Knicks. It is the New York Knicks. Are you kidding? I'm so angry. I'm like, Josh, close the show out. I'm done. This is so stupid. I got to – Ah, it was a Thunder draft question. All right. Half a point winner. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. got that. seven out of ten. That's way better than the three out of ten I expected for myself. I'm just – I can't believe it came. I'm, I'm studying second-round draft picks <laughs> for the rest of my life as an NBA. Well, you didn't miss the second round. You missed the first. Yeah, I didn't realize I, that yeah, at first either. I thought you suddenly missed the second-round pick. But I, no. My thought process, though, for real, was like I, there's so many seconds. And I, I'm going to double-check after, this, after we're done recording. I'm going to double-check the second-round pick thing. I'm pretty sure there's a lot in like 24, 25. But uh, we have about 20 the next three years. But um, That are yeah. seconds? No, not actually. Oh, uh, okay. Like I was like, oh, my God. 15 we're draft, roster spots. <laughs> we're going to draft every player in Europe and have our own EuroLeague team. Um, that, would be, that would be the most Hey, I mean, do a, uh, Luka Doncic is trying to form Team Yugoslavia down there in Dallas. And... <laughs> we're probably going to draft every single one of them and keep them there for five to eight years. Nice. When Poku's 25. Uh, all right. <laughs> well, this hey, has been fun. is not prime yet, so. <laughs> nope. Uh, this has been fun, man. I, God, I'm so angry. Um, look, be on the lookout this off season for obviously more featured guests and more. We're going to do a trivia format this off season. Hopefully when we have nothing to talk about in late August, early September, when there's nothing to talk about until uh, the beginning of a regular 82 game season, we'll probably be doing some trivia episodes that we'll be featured on as well as just having people on to just ask them fun theme trivia. I think it'd be awesome to do. Um, Josh or Grayson, anything before we uh, – I want to obviously preview next week for a moment here, but anything else before we roll into what we're doing next week? Uh, no. Uh, when, am, when am I getting my trophy? <laughs> uh, sometime sometime within the next uh, – when does the next season start? About three and a half months? Sometime before then. Yeah. Uh, it'll be on Twitter, Instagram, wherever. We'll be able to post it. I, I don't, don't look for it too quickly in the mail. <laughs> anything else, Grayson, before I uh, roll through what next week looks like? Uh no, just in Sam Presti, I trust. We're 10 days out. I already can't wait to see uh, the next round of young guys that we get added to the roster. All right. Well, uh, it'll be a fun draft and a fun uh, keeping up with it here. Uh, we're rolling right into the draft because it's something that we want to make sure our listeners know. Uh, next week will be obviously entirely draft preview. Uh, grab popcorn, grab whatever drink. It's not going to be your typical two pointers podcast hour format. Um, there will not be a time limit. And when we get done with everything we have on the books, that will be when it ends. Um, give or take, I hope it's not three hours, but it'll probably be you know, sometime in that range there, but one to three, um, the draft episode, we're going to cover a couple things. Obviously we're going to cover, we've already mentioned our top five picks and we're going to go over a couple different team needs across the board, what we think the biggest needs for certain teams are. Uh, one player to be taken outside the lottery with the biggest impact. And overall, just hit on the biggest storylines. And then Josh and I will be live reacting to it uh, together in person and bringing it back to you uh, the week after. We'll be a little bit late. I will be coming back from vacation. Poor timing on my part. Vacation, draft, and free agency all on the same week. So August 3rd or 4th or something is when you'll be looking for the our actual thoughts on everything with the NBA. So uh, it's been a fun episode. Josh, close this out. I'm done. I'm mad. This has been the Two Pointers Podcast. I'm the trivia champion, Josh. I'm the second place. Shut up. This is stupid. I'm Trevor. I'm resident Oklahoma City Thunder draft expert, Grayson Hill. 
And this has been the Two Pointers Podcast, and we will see you soon. Thank you.